Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is Jordan, Jesse, go! This week on Jordan Jesse Go, comedy writing legend Meryl Marco lets us know why our tweets don't get as many stars as we'd like them to. Let's go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I am Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Ah, this is my last show, Jordan, and I'm fucking out of here. Yeah, I'm no, I fucking mean, out yeah. of get here, on, get Jordan. Off this, get off this ship before it uh, before it sinks. This thing is. Well, there's still lifeboats. Yeah, man, this thing is aground in off the coast of Italy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Italy. Me, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep playing. I'm like the band on the Titanic. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep playing until it capsizes. Oh man, Jordan. I'm so my mind is gone. I'm I I if you get during the course of the roughly 75 to 90 minutes of this program, mm-hmm. three coherent sentences out of me, count yourself lucky. But other than that, it's just going to be conspiracy theories, <laughs> racial slurs. I was up I was up all last night watching Dan Aykroyd's Q&A videos on Netflix Instant about uh ghosts, aliens and UFOs. And it started it started to seem pretty reasonable towards the end. Um What's the what's the cause of your Well, maybe we should interview introduce our guest. Let's introduce we'll, uh, let's introduce our guest and then brain. we'll talk about why I'm I'm in a state of uh just near com- near total collapse. Okay. Uh, I would like to say how happy I am to be here and have driven an hour and a half across town <laughs> to, a, <laughs> to a sinking ship where the host thinks he is, his brain cells are dead. <laughs> Lucky me. You know her uh, by her reputation as uh, the nicest lady in Hollywood. Um, she is a comedy writing legend, uh, the author of uh, numerous best-selling books, uh, the latest of which is cool, calm, and a third word, which is a joke. Contentious. Uh, contentious. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I reminded myself of it right before we went on air, uh, and then all I could remember was that it wasn't cool, calm, and collected. It was a third word that was a joke about cool, calm, and, calm and collected. <laughs> you know what? At least you didn't say cool runnings. <laughs> I, think, I think we could just count ourselves lucky. She's the author of the best-selling humorous memoir, Cool Runnings, about her time on the Jamaican bobsled team. Um, she was, of course, the uh, lo- the founding head writer of uh, the Late Night with David Letterman program and uh, the Daytime David Letterman program, a uh, television uh, comedy contributor uh, for uh, uh, television here in Los Angeles. She has written uh, numerous books about her complicated uh, relationship with her dogs. Um, <laughs> she is uh, basically about as hallowed a uh, comedy person as there could be. It is a genuine honor to have Meryl Marco on the program. Thank you for Thank coming you here. Much. She drove all the way from uh, she drove all, all the way from Malibu, so it was really hard for her, um, and we really appreciate it. Thank you. 
I'm not sure how sincere I was being. Like, I started out like I was going to be insincere, but then by the end, I actually was being sincere because I was thinking about how much I do appreciate that you came and how, to be here. what a pain in the butt it would have been for you to pack all this stuff up if I'd insisted that you come yeah. to Malibu. Yeah. And then you'd be still on PCH because it doesn't move. Yeah. That Pacific Coast Highway is a real son of a gun. Do you call it the boo? No, I really don't. Okay, does that do you know do you know people who call it the boo? Yeah, I see it on license plates and I immediately have contempt for the people in the car. You want to run them off the road? Yeah. That's fair. Did you attend BU? Uh Boston University? Yeah, I'm just I'm just oh. trying to I'm just taking a guess here. Sure. Stab in the dark. Because we the word boo came up, you feel that my, <laughs> well, I just my university must connect to it. Is that not Meryl, best not to try and figure out the logic? <laughs> um, I'll explain why I'm a mess. It's because I am going to uh, tomorrow. I'm going to be gone for starting tomorrow. I'm going to mm-hmm. be gone for two two and a half weeks shooting season two of Put This On, um, my web series about menswear. We are going to New York and uh, London and Milan. Um, and in order to do that, I have to make in advance two and a half weeks worth of Bullseye, mm-hmm. my public radio show. Um, and we were just launching Bullseye. And uh, I have a five and a half month old baby. Mm-hmm. And basically... And a crippling Skyrim addiction. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I have just become... I've started compulsively playing this video game called Skyrim. Ah. Um Inside of inside of Skyrim, I'm a sort of blockheaded guy uh, with a resistance to magic, um, but I'm really good with the arcane enchanter now. <laughs> so it's been really rewarding for me. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm very glad to hear that. Um, to and, and are Teresa and uh, and Simon coming on this thing? Teresa and Simon and and my dogs. Uh, we're all going to drive up to the Bay Area tomorrow, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Teresa and the baby and the dogs are going to stay with her parents while we're gone. Just because I, I don't know, like I couldn't take them with me. Sure. There's no. There's no like um, when you're. I mean, I think we're just going to be shooting. 12 hours a day or 14 hours a day or something. Well, you're going to want to visit some of Milan's famous sex parlors. Oh, of course. I mean, and <laughs> they don't allow dogs. <laughs> they're they're ever since the ever since I started learning about the Renaissance in school, I've wanted to visit Milan's famous sex parlors. Sure. But um I uh uh I I like couldn't all I also couldn't reasonably abandon them here. Sure. Um, because I think that, uh, they would have been, I don't know, like just, uh, I would have just come home and one of the dogs would be fat and none of the other people and animals in the house would be anywhere to be found. <laughs> like it would have just, they would have just been that gone. That little dog would have eaten your wife and child, you're thinking? Potentially. <laughs> it's a fearsome dog. You met my dog. Yeah. She's, she's got a lot of sass. Right. She does. She's got a lot of chutzpah. She goes for it. Your wife is just a drained shell of a human? (laughs) At this point, I mean, she is literally a drained shell of a human in part because there's another human being that literally sucks life force out of her. Wow. Literally, physically sucks life force out of her. Yeah, that's how my mother felt. (laughs) Meryl, what's your your policy when... When traveling, being a dog owner, do you have a do you board them? Do they do you, do they just leave a giant bowl of food? Uh, no, I have a a woman that I pay who stays at my house. 
Yeah. Who, was, who actually... I have, I have to pay my wife to stay at my house. <laughs> Gosh, you know, every, I feel like... Every, Hey-o, wives! <laughs> I have a very uh, good relationship. Don't get me started on my mother-in-law. I have a very good relationship with my wife. She I seems, love her very she much. She seems wonderful. Um, uh, Would you say that she seems wonderful, she seems wonderful. In, in the 11 years that you've known her? Yeah. She seems nice. I hope to get to know her at some point. Um... I probably should have done that when I was in your wedding, but uh, I didn't have the time. Um, uh, I I feel like uh, I don't know if this is across the board, but I feel like uh, in L.A., everyone I know has someone with a nicer house than them that they house sit for. I've never been asked to do this. I don't know if it just seems like because I'm irresponsible. Maybe uh-huh. I'm just a bad candidate for it, but I would love to be asked to house sit for someone with a nice house anyway. How, like, how nice my house is nicer than your house absolutely would you like to house it at my house uh i would i mean i would out of that would help- be weird right I, yeah i would out of helpfulness but i think because i come here once a week regardless it won't be the kind of vacation that i'm looking for in this house sitting situation you're looking to get away from your normal life sure yeah, that's what I want. I want a little vacay, maybe someone with a different, like a direct TV package or something. You're trying to house it for like Brian Grazer or something like that. That would be nice. Celebrities. See, I, in the olden days, I would have, you know, I used to have all kinds of different people. When I worked in TV, I used to have all the production assistants and stuff stay at my house. And 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 most of them did, but I that all stopped when I had... A particular, very strange production assistant stay at my house, and one of my dogs died. Oh, dear. And from that point on, I just went with people who referred to themselves as dog professionals, dog walkers, dog tenders, people who had some occupational thing to lose by by having a catastrophe. I was uh, house-sitting in Washington, (laughs) D.C. for this family, a very nice family, and um, they had told me that I could drive their car and, in fact, had asked me to drive their car because they were going to be gone long enough that if I didn't drive their car, you know, they'd come home to a dead battery and so forth. And um, I was driving it on the the Beltway, the, the, the famous Beltway of Washington, D.C. I was on the Beltway rather than inside or outside. And um, it, was an, it was an Acura Coupe. It was maybe 12 years old or 14 years old. And I was in there with uh, my wife, then girlfriend, uh, in the far left-hand lane, and it just stopped driving. Oh, my God. It just stopped operating. It just completely... And I went and uh, I pushed the hazard hazard lights. I had the presence of mind to reach out and push the hazard lights. And I pushed the hazard lights, and they turned on, you know, like they blinked once, and then they blinked off... And then all the lights inside the car went out. <laughs> Did you get rear-ended? Uh, no, I managed to pull off with no power. I managed to pull off the road. I pulled off of, through four lanes of traffic with no power at all. I managed to pull off, just coasted off the freeway and with no electricity and no gas power. And I pulled off to this exit and I'm like, thank God I'm off. I pull off. And it is a fucking parkway. It is a two. It is a four lane freeway through a park. It is a parkway in a park. There's no. There's no houses for or buildings for miles around. Oh, so I made it off this fucking nightmare freeway 
onto a deserted nightmare freeway. Oh, good. That'd be nice if you pulled off the freeway right into the parking lot of a TGI Fridays. Yeah, and so I had to, um, I, I called, luckily my aunt and uncle live in Washington, D.C., and they're the kind of people that you can call when shit goes down. Um, you know, like they're, uh, I would say, uh, they're the kind of people that you would say worst quality, you know, busybody or something like that, uh, best quality on top of their shit, you know, and that's exactly who you want to have on board obviously two sides of the same coin and they fucking came through big time i owe them forever because i picked up that phone and said uh hey aunt deb uh it's jesse uh the car we were using doesn't work anymore and we turned off the freeway and she said where and i said the beltway freeway between Washington DC and points north <laughs> and they like they we played 20 questions to figure out like where we were like what regional park pre, we were stranded was this in, in a pre-smartphone era oh this was well pre-smartphone okay. yeah luckily it was post cell phone but it was pre-smartphone and we had to uh they had to like um ask me 40 different questions like i could see one mile marker we had to infer from the like type of whether it was coniferous or deciduous trees and the mile marker and uh, all of this stuff, what exactly was... How uh, are the squirrels acting? Yeah, was it red or gray squirrels, uh, east side or west side of Washington, D.C.? And they came and rescued me. But after that happened... After that happened, when the people that I, uh, the people that I was babysitting or house-sitting for uh, came back... Very icy relationship. It was their car you were talking It was their car. Oh, wow. It was their car. And their car was old, and it broke, and I almost died. <laughs> but, you know, they, but they thought it was poor car maintenance on your part? I don't... I think that They thought you ran out of gas, I bet. It's not the... You know, my, that happened to my brother last year. Ran out of gas on a freeway, rear-ended, and was in the hospital for like three months. Holy mackerel. Jeez in Louise. In the fast lane. Oh, no. In the fast lane? Yeah, broke his neck, had a tube in his stomach for th- three months. Wow, that's a really funny anecdote. Yeah, that is. <laughs> and he wasn't house-sitting anyone. It was his car. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, I don't know what they... Um, I don't think it was so much that they thought that I broke it. It was that they felt I must have broken it. They probably thought you ran out of gas. Yeah, well, I mean, there was something broken in it. Something was broken. Like, Did they never tell you what it was that was broken? I don't think they ever told me what it was that, that was broken in it. But there was a thing that was broken in it. It involved some kind of repair that cost $1,000 or something. I remember them trying to decide whether they should repair it or just uh, you know, donate the car to the Goodwill or whatever. And, uh, but I, I feel like after that point, uh, there was absolutely no doubt... Uh, that they felt that while it wasn't technically my fault, it was spiritually my fault. That I had somehow brought it upon their... I, I had brought a pox You were probably listening to music in the car that had swearing in it. <laughs> and then that put the car into such a state 
were these a, people your age range or were they older? They were older. They were grown-ups. I was I was 21 years old. I had 22 years old. This was a summer where I had um I had I had had this into one one summer in Washington DC I had an internship at XM Satellite Radio in in Washington DC and um I went and had a meeting with the person who at the time was running the internship program at National Public Radio and uh he told me like oh we have this thing called intern edition and it's where all the interns get together and they make a uh they make a show basically and it needs an it needs an editor and I know that you have a lot of experience, and we've worked. We had worked together. I'd met this guy. I'd like emailed him out of the blue, and 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 met him when he was doing a workshop in San Francisco. And he said, "We're going to need an editor for that for that next year." And I was wondering if you would be interested. And I said, "Yes." And I was like, and and he was like, "Great, that sounds great." And so I was like, "Oh, all right." I have an internship in Washington D.C. at National Public Radio, where I aspire to work. And uh, then I applied for the internship. Uh, and uh, my wife got an internship, uh, who was not my wife at the time, but my girlfriend, but she got an internship in Washington, D.C., and then somehow I didn't get the internship. <laughs> so I ended up working at Borders. So this summer, I, we were house-sitting, and I was working at Borders. Uh, and, um, yeah, it was a, it was a rough... It was a, it was a tough summer for old Jesse, that age Well, they might have thought, been worried that you were going to sue them or something. I mean, they oh. were really liable. You, you may be personalized it but didn't look at the bigger picture i mean they would totally be at risk if you were driving their car and it the dad was a lawyer at the world court that was his job he was always going off to geneva so you you would think that if if, but if they were worried about his lawsuitness they would have maybe doted a little bit more instead of giving you the cold shoulder they would have been extra nice yeah Or, or they they would have um uh they would have asked me about my familiarity with international trade law hmm in this particular specific case, because they the, would have been, I think, at risk. I mean, that was their car, and you were driving it. If there was mechanical problems with the car, and you were injured, but I, I think they would be. The but I was safe. Were. I mean, I was doing calisthenics. I mean, I wasn't sweating it. You're not going to cramp up in there. No, I wasn't going to cramp up. I didn't. The last thing I wanted was to cramp up, Meryl. When no. you were uh, when you were working at Borders, what was the hot item? What was the Purpose, Hunger Games? Purpose-driven life. Purpose-driven? Oh, okay. I would say that 75% of the customers who came into that Borders were buying the Purpose-driven life. I think that there was... Uh, it's like a religious self-help, self-help book. Yeah. A Christian self-help book. Well, I'm going to go 70% purpose-driven life, 20% Da Vinci Code. Okay. 10% all other books. Okay. Um, it was in downtown Washington, D.C., so you're getting a largely African-American clientele. Not exclusively by any means, but probably 50%, 60% African-American clientele. Um, they are probably, on the whole, less interested in uh, uh, sort of... Uh, faux Christian arcana, mm-hmm. uh, as found in uh, the Da Vinci Code, but more interested in living a purpose-driven life. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I would, and maybe five percent was this uh, was this uh, sexy mystery novel set in Baltimore called "Be More Careful." Okay. There's this whole category called hood fiction. Yeah, I'm vaguely familiar with this. Yeah, it's sort of it, it's sort of because of all the time I spend in the hood. Yeah, it's sort of like a, a special category that's sort of descended from your Iceberg Slims in 1977 of um, uh, novels with a lot of uh, drug dealing 
and uh, fucking and not a lot of copy editing. <laughs> um, uh, that uh, people at the borders uh, in downtown Washington, D.C. buy a lot of. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was a really, that job was really a trip. Uh, when I went in and applied for the job, I, I interviewed with this really sweet guy uh, who was to be my boss. And he said, we all really love books here. That's why we work at Borders. And I was like, great. Like, I, I love books too. You know, I love, I love reading. And he said, and we, we all love, we all love different kinds of books. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, I, I love books too. And he's like, like, and many of us collect books. And I was like, oh, neat. You know, and he's like, I have a book this collection seems like, This seems like where this is leading is come home and look at my collection of vintage erotica. <laughs> That seems like where this is going. The tone that you're using. He turned. He turned. He turned me like he turned to his shelf on his wall, and he said, "Here's my collection of James Patterson first editions." Oh, wow! Yeah, he had a collection of James Patterson first editions. I guess that's erotic to some. I guess maybe I wasn't that far off. Well, certainly it's erotic to those who are turned on by tightly plotted thrillers. Oh, those, those plots are so tight. <laughs> okay, we'll be back in just a second with more on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. I'm Meryl Marco. I'm a writer, and I have a new book out called Cool, Calm, and Contentious. And if you would like to see. Um, John Stewart really love it. Look up the, my clip on The Daily Show. Yeah, do it. Boom. <laughs> Why not? This is the woman. Th- listen, <laughs> Jordan, I yeah. have to get serious with our audience for a second. Okay. Look, we've had a lot of fun laughing and joking the first 20 minutes of well, this program. Well, it wasn't that much fun. Okay. Yeah. We've was, had a moderate amount pleasant. of... It was pleasant. It was fine. We've had some fun in the first 20 minutes of this show. But let's get serious here for a second. Let's, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And part of that fun was you talking about almost getting killed in a car. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. That's, if that's your idea of <laughs> To fun, be fair, <laughs> none of us were trying that hard to have fun. Right. Meryl Marco has a lot to give you. Sure. But you have to open up your heart. Yeah. This woman has written numerous best-selling books. Would you say that she's like Jesus in that way? Yeah, she is a lot like Where Jesus. Where are you in guys that going? <laughs> both, both Jesus and Meryl Marco have a lot to give you if you open up your heart, and they've both written best-selling books. They have. Did Jesus? Jesus didn't technically. He wrote the purpose-driven life. Yes, <laughs> he wrote the purpose-driven life and parts of the Da Vinci Code. Here was some. Here was. Uh, here was a little just thought process I was having while you were describing the popular books. You were saying yeah. the. Oh, the two popular books were The Purpose-Driven Life and The Da Vinci Code. I got The Da Vinci Code confused with the National Treasure film series uh-huh. starring Nicolas Cage. It's kind of a similar thing. Nicolas Cage finds... You know, I think the premise of the, nat- of the National Treasure movie series is what if Jerry Bruckheimer missed out on the bidding to buy <laughs> the rights to The Da Vinci Code? Anyways, and I was going to say, wouldn't it be funny if Nicolas Cage also did like a film adaptation of The Purpose Driven Life? <laughs> because who's more purpose-driven than that guy? That guy is super purpose-driven. You know I mean, how sometimes they'll adapt a non-fiction book and give it a narrative, like um, Greg Barron's book? Uh, yeah, she's just not she's, that into you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Mean Girls, I think, was also a nonfiction book. That's a really good point. So why doesn't why doesn't it just like 
do you think we could get Werner Herzog to direct? I think that's the key. Probably. I actually think that would be a great movie. I would love to see the purpose-driven life turned into a Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah, it's like Nicolas Cage learning how to live life as Jesus would have wanted him to, but also like a little bit of ass-kicking. Like yeah. a little bit of him, maybe, I don't know, like flipping a car or something. Yeah, maybe outside a mega church. I'm not sure if you can turn <laughs> if you can turn water into wine. I'm not sure that you really need to get into mega kicking. Because <laughs> you can just have a party for one. Mm-hmm. Everyone passes out, and that's the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of religion's one of those things that I I usually don't like discussing right but i would love to ask nicholas cage what his religious beliefs are i bet they're crazy i would speculate this is purely idle speculation sure. jordan but what is this program if not purely idle <laughs> speculation um i would say that he probably believes in a fictional religion okay now Granted, there are those in our list in our listenership who are currently making snarky phone calls to our phone line saying all religions are fictional. But I mean a, a religion that was intended specifically to be fictional. <laughs> like, say, like... Um, the Hobbit kind of stuff? Yeah, like a Hobbit thing or like something that Hawkman believes in. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it works Sure, the four pillars of the Hawkman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the four pillars of the Hawkman... Or, yeah, just something like that. Like, not just that he believes in... Something that was discussed on Sequest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, whatever, whatever, it is that, whatever it is that, you know, uh, you know Johnny Quest believes in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if the Hardy Boys have... You know, if there was an... Ep- if there was a, one of the Hardy Boys books, they find an ancient tome... Right. It contains the outlines to a religion. Mm-hmm. That religion is what Nicolas Cage practices in real life. <laughs> but not so far as Santa Ria or anything, I wouldn't think. No. no I think that's too real. Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's far too, too real. Yeah. yeah. I think Nicolas Cage, probably whatever he practices, he wants to be one of ten guys who practices, practices yeah. it. Yeah, and I think the other nine guys are probably being paid by Nicolas Cage to practice it with him. And fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Changing gears. I don't know. I feel like we we should really stay in this gear. In this. Changing gears. Um, I want... Meryl, you're... You are... uh, active on twitter and um i think you probably have the a distinction that jesse and i could only dream of having in our wildest dreams is that you are twitter friends with alec baldwin i am how's that going it's it's like many of my friendships i never see him Did you know that Jad Abumrad is one of the... I just found this out today. Our friend Jad Abumrad, who hosts uh, Radio Lab, uh, the wonderful public radio program Radio Lab, is one of the 15 people that is currently being followed on Twitter by Rupert Murdoch. Wow. Yeah, and and of those 15 people, at least like six or seven are not people, but are institutions, like our... Fox News Channel and, you know, newspapers that Rupert Murdoch owns and stuff like well, that. Well, the phrase Radio Lab must have thrown him. He must have thought <laughs> it was some kind of enormous 
huge think tank. He must have thought it was something like to, a project to build a super soldier or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something to do with a Hadron Collider. Yeah. Something that, yes, he's like, maybe this man can help me create my black hole. <laughs> that was my Rupert Murdoch impression, by the way. That was a really good Australian accent, Jordan. Thank you. You should apply to be the new Crocodile Dundee. Well, I mean, I'm going to use, I it. Assume I'm gonna use it in my I'm going to use it in my SNL audition, I think. Oh, good. Excellent. Yeah. That's, that, what's that character name? Australian? Uh, it's called uh, Apocalyptic Rupert Murdoch. Gotcha. He just wants to create black holes. Gotcha. Um, you know. That's, he wants to summon a dormant leviathan. No, I hey, look. If you're going to put together an SNL audition tape, you're going to want want some hot celebrity impressions. Yeah, I mean, you just want like something that they can just throw in there, like a celebrity that's always in the news. Are I you think, really doing an audition tape for SNL? <laughs> no, you know, I submit to I submit to SNL every year as as a writer. Uh, I submitted once as a performer, but my impressions were so bad. I'm so bad at them. I mean, I think I'm I'm you know a decent sketch comedy actor, but um, my impression impersonations and voices are just terrible they're so fakey fake and uh yeah so I, th- I, th- I think that's not my wheelhouse yeah part of part of the uh, saturday night live audition is, is that you have to do several impressions like you really have to right. show that you're bringing Lindsay lohan to saturday night live if you want to get cast on that show right sure and i think maybe you know there would be a, a chance where i could be you know, grandfathered in as, say, a Chris Elliott was, <laughs> who I can't imagine does any impressions. Uh, well, I mean, he had uh, he, he had he had a few impressions that were uh, what if what if Chris Elliott was acting sort of like so-and-so. <laughs> right. I mean, there was Marlon Brando. That was what if Chris oh, that's Elliott right. he didn't do that. Marlon- sort of acted like Brando Marlon impression. Brando. That was funny. <laughs> Um, anyway, oh, but I, on, on the subject of Twitter, I, um, uh, I put, I've decided that I put maybe too much emotional stock in how many star points and retweets I'm getting. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and because I'm not on Facebook, my Twitter is the first thing that comes up when I'm Googled. So I kind of maybe consider that Twitter feed my, you know, my public face how did you avoid bit. being on facebook uh i d- uh, don't know i mean now it's now it's purely to be contrarian uh now you know i'm i'm just the guy who's insisting that the super mario brothers movie was good or something um i think if you're not on facebook in 2012 um your choice is either you're the guy who's not on facebook or you're the guy who signed up for facebook in 2012 yeah, ex- right. Exactly. I guess. I guess. Right. And now I guess there's something a, a timeline that shows all of your Facebook activity. And I guess me going on that now and just showing the time I uploaded my picture, <laughs> it'll be like having a small dick. Like I'm imagining the timeline is a giant internet dick that everyone can look at, and mine will be so tiny. To be fair, you imagine most metaphorical or incorporeal things as a giant dick. Sure. Um, anyways. And also, when I sort of got browbeaten one way or another into being on Facebook, I've never put a single personal piece of information on Facebook. People keep saying it's your privacy, your privacy. I have my real name, and every other thing written about me is false, and there are no, <laughs> and no one seems to mind, and there are no pictures of me taken anywhere 
not high school, not, you know, I mean, it, it's possible to just do that. I went on it to sort of have a forum for like trying to push my book. But some people can, but people can have a picture of you and then connect it to you. Yeah, you can get rid of it too. Oh, I didn't know you <laughs> can get rid reason, of it. Yeah, you can get rid of all of it. If you go on Facebook right now, you can see a picture of me in my high school production of the Three Penny Opera. You could take that out. Wow. I don't know. I thought it was a pretty solid production. <laughs> it wasn't as good as the production of Mother Courage that we were doing in repertory. But, you know, it was it was pretty solid high school Brecht. <laughs> you know, it was pretty solid. Um, it's a pretty effective V effect. <laughs> I'd say the audience was definitely alienated. <laughs> um... That's a funny. That's a funny character. High school, <laughs> high school theater asshole. Guy. He still talks like this. Yeah. But anyway, Sondheim man, complicated harmonies. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck it. The the musical man. That's the great American fucking art form. <laughs> um. But I I actually wanted in in regards to Twitter. I wanted to. I I have had a couple of. And I guess there's two things that I think. I would like to do on Twitter. I don't really like to banter. I don't really like to say what I'm doing. I want to promote something or make a little joke. Right. Um, I think we've established that that's probably what Twitter is best for, or it's probably what I'm best doing on Twitter. I've made a few little jokes recently that have not been popular, and I maybe wanted to bring them up. I know you're a comedy professional. Maybe we can workshop them a little bit. Legendary comedy professional. Excuse me. Um. Anyways, so okay. Uh, so I thought maybe I'd start, and we could she just went talk to about Boston University. <laughs> she lives in the boo. <laughs> um. Anyways. Um. So here's one, Jesse. You and I were actually. This is something we were talking about, and you helped me with the phrasing of this. Yeah, and I messed it up. I messed it up. Well, let's. Here's okay. here's the tweet. I ruined the, I ruined this joke for you, and I apologize. Yeah, I realized that afterwards. It's, I mean, it's a it's a it was a it was a group effort. Okay. We both ruined it. And <laughs> this was not an unsuccessful tweet. Okay, here it is. But it was not as successful as I wanted it to be. I think it's appalling that people hire Thai lady boys when there's so many out of work lady boys in our own backyard. This was popular ish. I got a star from an Alex Blag. Oh, Alex Black is a sense of humor I respect. That's a talented uh, comedy writer. Uh, but, you know, should mostly have... fell on deaf ears. Well, after you wrote it, I, I realized it should have been right here in our own backyard. Mm, yeah. So I felt bad about that. I think maybe uh, where it's not making my sides ache. Okay. Is that <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure why we're talking about Thai lady boys. I mean, it would sort of have to be a big topic or something. You know, it's like you, you get yeah. to that right off the bat and you go, the thing about Thai lady boys, and, and, and all of a sudden I'm off like Thai lady boys. What are, I guess, so, yeah, it's, Thailand, guys, it's not. Uh, guys, so female impersonators in Thailand is what we're, you know, and then by then it's like, who cares what the punchline is? I don't know why we're talking about that, you know? I guess, yeah, I guess I maybe, the joke is set up in a way, it's like, so the thing about airline food is, but instead it's yeah. the thing about Thai lady boys is. Yeah, so it's just like there's no way to really gotcha. 
get going with your big reaction when you're trying to decide what the premise is. No, no, that's. I think that's fair. Do you think we should talk about uh, just different stuff that you've written and why it doesn't make our sides ache? <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I think uh, let me do this one was and that I wouldn't one, have insulted you except for that no, no, you no. brought it up. I know I, I requested it. I, I I I need it. Here's the thing about here's the thing about Twitter. Sometimes you will p- type a joke into it that you are so excited about this joke. You're so excited about this joke and you're really couldn't be prouder of it. And then sometimes you'll type in some stupid joke. Right. And then the stupid joke even you're not even excited about it, even after it gets all the fucking star points. Um, and I, I, that's that I think is the core of this issue. You know, that's totally true in life too. Just in writing in general, it's I've noticed that in my whole life, which is the things that I most am proud of, the things that I work the hardest on, and when I'm off walking my dogs, I'm replaying them to myself and going, "Wow, that was pretty good." Nothing. That happens to me over has happened to me my whole life, always, including when you perform on stage, the joke that you're saving that you go, this is going to go really well, nothing. The day that you think that you, you performed really well, you get off stage and people say nothing. The day that you think you screwed up and the stupidest thing that you ever wrote that you just put out there and you go, I should recall it, I should delete it. That's what people like and it always works that way and I don't know what you can learn from that. I've been, <laughs> I've been thinking about it my whole life. Seriously, <laughs> don't care about anything. Um, no, wait, you, hold on, hold on. What is it? Give what is an example of of something that you have done? And it doesn't have to be a joke. You don't have to. We're not setting, we're not necessarily setting you up for a joke. But what's something that you that you worked on that you think about and you think like, man, that was great. You know, I'm sorry that I don't have those examples because they have to do with things that, you know, you sat there and you worked on and you just felt it's just exactly what you were describing. I don't I have a book full of these things. I've been keeping them in a, in a book just so I can look at the amount of them that are piling up. And uh, it's just the ones that I think are the, the cleverest, funniest, smartest jokes or nothing, get nothing. They just disappear without a trace. And then something that I'm embarrassed by a little bit, I think, ooh, this is gonna might be upsetting, or I, ooh, I shouldn't even ask too stupid. Everyone probably, no one will understand what I'm talking about. Well, those are the ones that people like, and the ones I really, literally wasn't gonna even push tweet on. Sometimes I'll post something uh, that is not even really a joke, and it'll become popular for some reason of timeliness or something, and it will go to the top. It will edge into my top 20 or however many they sure. show on Favestar and uh, which is the website where you can tell how many points your tweets got and that will make me angry like yesterday oh yeah no I also want that Favestar best of list to be clean yeah to be clean in, in terms of it's only stuff that I like yesterday I watched uh, the 49ers game San Francisco 49ers football game and uh, I'm from San Francisco I'm a fan of the San Francisco 49ers it was an incredible football game uh, just the most exciting football game I've ever seen and um, at the end of it I posted something like um, man sports are really exciting uh, if you've never given sports a try, you you really might get a kick out of them or something like that. And um, just because I know that like many of our audience are actively hostile to sports <laughs> and uh, and I think sports are pretty fun. So um, I thought it'd be funny if I posted that, but not in a joke way, just in kind of a, a silly way. 
And uh, uh, acquaintance of mine, uh, Rob Nyer, who is a fantasy columnist, a fantasy baseball columnist for ESPN, formerly for ESPN, uh, now for MLB Fan Nation, I believe, um, but a very popular sports columnist, retweeted it. And then it got like 200 retweets. Mm. And now it's like my number six fave star. And it posted out all the jokes. It may have even surpassed the one... What that said, um, quote, I have a great name for this feather, unquote, Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> Man, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd hate for that to get lost in the ages. <laughs> He's going to call it macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did it pretty good. I was, that's what I was sitting here unraveling that going, what? <laughs> uh, you know, I did one that I really liked that was also topical that I thought was just going to be... I'm like, well, this is pretty good, but its topicality will really help it. Uh, basically nothing. This is this one was virtually ignored. Uh, so I don't know what that says about topicality. I'll read it. Maybe it's just not funny. Rick Santorum is selling his signature sweater vest. In response, Newt Gingrich is releasing a line of chubby boy weekend sweatpants. <laughs> I I gave that a star point. I think I see you on there. I star pointed that because I got I one because like, I like the phrase <laughs> "chubby boy." Me too. I also like that. Could the Republican, uh, you know, presidential race could chubby not be hotter? Boy. Chubby boy is a really funny phrase. It's hyphenated as well, which I think helps it. Um. Do you know that audio-wise, um, you have your voice is a very similar vocal pitch to Patton Oswalt? I I have heard that. I get that. We usually get. I usually hear David Cross. I've, I yes, that too. Basically, any comedian in the world, apparently, <laughs> they're good comedians. They're great. They're terrific. Basically, two of the funniest people in the world. Absolutely. No, I have no problem with that. Um, so yeah, now all I need is their joke making ability, <laughs> and I'm good. Um, but yeah, so that's so that's funny. But because usually, I guess the common the you know the kind of the 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 common logic would be that that topical stuff does really well on Twitter. Why did that one fall on deaf ears? Do people just maybe not want a topical joke from a Jordan Morris? Do they just yeah? Want, I think that they, might be it. I do think they that, just want well, something think, the cats do? Would you like me to give you another? Please, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Tear me down. I it's I consider it a privilege. I uh, I would say it's because your only joke there is. Newt Gingrich is fat. <laughs> he is, though. That's I mean, true. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> sure. But, you know, like, the, it's just kind of too No, no, easy. you're right. I mean, the word, the phrase chubby boy is funny. But <laughs> but the, making the point Newt Ging- Gingrich is fat is kind of... Uh... No, you're right. You're right. Maybe, yeah, it, it just it did just seem like a like low-hanging fruit. Yeah. He's not really fat, though. It's more that he has a round head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that he has so much else wrong with him. I mean... Yeah, <laughs> right. And all of his opinions. <laughs> that as well is funny. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I like... I like the... You know, because you do associate... You do associate fat people with loose-fitting clothing. <laughs> anyway. Well, maybe you shouldn't have... Maybe the whole thing should have been about Newt Gingrich and the, and the pants. You maybe should have set it up better. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, maybe the Starting Rick Santorum Rick Santor- thing was just... Yeah, confusing. starting it with that in the sweater vest, it's sort of you wanted. It seems like you should have had a second line about I think, him in a sweater vest as opposed to just starting off 
on a whole other the topic then becomes clothes. Right. I think you should start a second persona that's all about your biting topical wit. <laughs> right. And I'm gonna start a new Twitter account that's just for Skyrim related humor. Sure. Because I made one Skyrim joke and it fucking rocketed to the oh, top sure. of my thing. And it was barely a joke. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I mean I think that 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 uh Current video game fads are are great for Twitter. Uh, I'm finding anything cat related, anything about what the cat's doing, something funny the cat did. That's in a, even in a situation doesn't really have to be a joke. People seem to like it. But I guess that's, that's just a a larger uh, symptom of the internet loves cats. Yeah, the internet does love cats. Cat videos, lol, cats. Cats are all right about cats. Cats are pretty. Cats are fun. Sure, they go around. I love them. Do jumps. Getting, sure. getting boxes is yeah. a good thing a cat does. Absolutely. Um, Roll on their back, show you their tummies. Does a cat do that? Oh, yeah. Can you pet its tummy when it does that? Sure. You don't want to get too close to its genitals, but I think that's any animal. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's when you're going to get a nip. <laughs> oh, you're going to get a nip if you get too close to its genitals? I think so. Yeah. Don't so- finger your cat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. That's the kind of insights that America turns to you. Not that topical stuff. Yeah, not those. Yeah. They're looking to, they're looking to you for biology type stuff like that. <laughs> sure. You hey know. guys, Newt Gingrich is bad. That's why Don't you figure your cat. That rhymes. That's why you're zoologist emeritus at, at the Pittsburgh Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of insights like that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I totally, I understand, I, I, I think that there's this, I think that <laughs> when you write the jokes, you have a wish that you could control your audience, mm-hmm. um, and I especially find myself, sometimes on Twitter, I will, I will start obsessing over a joke, like, while I'm going for a walk, <laughs> and, and by the time I'm done with it, it will be so complicated, Yeah, but I will have figured it out so that it's coherent. And like is a joke, mm-hmm. like it will be a joke, and it will have the right rhythm and structure to sustain itself. Uh, and so I will, in that sense, have solved it. <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily make it that good of a joke. Well, a lot of times Twitter can just kind of wreck a joke by removing all aspects of what would amount to timing because you can't put the, that many characters in. Oh you have yeah, to take all the ands out and put in an and <laughs> sign, and then. And then you have to take the thes out, mm. and then it just it, it sounds like, you know, an illegal immigrant trying <laughs> to approximate a joke. Yeah, well, I mean, you have, to have a, you, have to have a, you have to have a writing joke. I mean, it's a different kind of joke, too. I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, we know, I, I feel like there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of comedians of our generation who will just uh, have a part of their act where they just read jokes off their phone. Sure. Uh, that they wrote on Twitter. This is the worst part of their act, invariably. <laughs> In fact, it was a part of Doug Benson's television show. Um, he did that oh, on sure. television. Really? I haven't been out to clubs in a, a while. Wow. People are doing that now, reading their Twitter jokes off a phone. That yeah. just sounds like I would just want to kill myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that sounds horrible. Yeah, it, it is. It is. I think it's the new... I, I think it's the new... Like, who does that? Uh, well, I'm not going to start naming the names of comedians that do it. I did mention that it was a segment on Doug Benson's television program. Now, I'm sure that Doug Benson... I'm, I don't think that it was probably Doug Benson's idea. I imagine there was some 
producer on the show that was Doug Benson's manager that said, you have a million Twitter followers or whatever. We should have a segment to get you more Twitter followers where you read a joke and then the other person reads a joke from their Twitter. If you have Twitter. a TV show, what difference does it make? How many? Why do you want more Twitter followers? The idea <laughs> I know. Twitter is to get the show, isn't sure. it? <laughs> yeah, that's a great I mean, people point. People are getting screwed up here with this stuff yeah no i mean i think it's just one of those things like oh you know like people like twitter these days so mentioning it in comedy or using it in comedy is this you get that automatic you know laugh of recognition or you know that delight that comes with recognizing something so you know it is kind of like a a cheat to getting the audience on your side, I think. But our, um, our friend Rob Delaney uh, recently closed a pilot deal to host a Twitter-themed television program. Sure. Um, I th- my guess is my guess is Rob is a very talented guy. So my he is, he's really good, and I and uh, and I think that's going to be it. It's a terrible. Well, idea my for guess a show. is th- my Twitter guess is, is what that, it is. It's not a TV show. <laughs> my guess is that what what it will end up being is although. I mean, to be honest, on the one hand, Twitter is what it is. It's not a TV show. On the other hand, YouTube videos are what they are. And then also, for some reason, Tosh.0 <laughs> is the biggest hit in Comedy Central history. Sure. Is that what he's doing, is playing YouTube videos? He just plays YouTube videos, makes a little joke about them. He, they'll do some ske- little sketches yeah, do on there. Skits and they'll stuff. do some skits and Although stuff. Although, we'll say this about Rob Delaney. If you've ever seen his stand-up act, it is a very... Uh, and and uh, this is this is not a slam but a compliment. It is a traditional stand up comedy act. He's I've not never a, seen that, yeah. but I've read his long form pieces and they're good. They're terrific. Yeah. yeah, and I think if you read his things in in, in Vice and uh, Esquire recently, right? Oh, he was in there. Yeah, maybe sure. it was GQ. Anyways, one of those. Um, yeah, he's very very funny, and I yeah. think you know, I think the probably the only knock that we we have on Rob Delaney is probably a little too handsome. Too to be handsome. A comedian. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't like that. Like, I don't like on, him like, raising bit, the bar. Like, eh. Yeah. You know, come on, give me a break, Delaney. Sure, you you push me down into a into a echelon that I'm not comfortable being in. Yeah, like we want to be solid sevens for comedians. Yeah, that's our goal. When Rob Delaney exists, yeah, we, I, I feel like I'm getting into four or five territory, and that's yeah. not where I want to be. That's the trouble with Rob Delaney. It's not about his talent. Sure, it's not about whether he's a funny man or it's a about good writer. Him making us seem ugly. Yeah, that's ultimately the issue with Delaney. Are you a stand up too? Jesse? No, I'm not a stand up. No. And Jordan has done some stand-up, but it probably wouldn't describe himself as a stand-up, right? No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Not, neither of us is. A I'm a true... Dave Barry-style humorist. <laughs> and, that's, and, and I don't just say humorist. I say Dave Barry-style humorist. When Jordan says that he's a Dave Barry-style humorist, he's basing that exclusively on the fact that he recently bought the DVD box set of Dave's World <laughs> starring <laughs> Harry Anderson. That's all he really knows. You never about read Dave Barry? Being uh, no, I, I have. I think I mean Dave Barry himself writes much funnier than that TV show. Sure. And you know what? That TV show wasn't half bad. I <laughs> I don't I'm making you know fun what? It of was Dave's World. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was going to be complimentary to the show Dave's World, which I had not seen since it was on television, but I remember being a pleasant enough sitcom. But how old were you? I was probably 12 yeah yeah there you go okay fair enough was how much don't rewatch it would be my (laughs) does not hold up how much up close magic was there in it i'll tell you uh there was surprisingly little up close magic Hmm. yeah i know you would think that i will say um i I will say that uh dave dave barry i have uh spent a little bit of time with irl as they say in Mm -hmm. real life uh and he really 
delivers on everything that you would hope that he he's would great. be. He's really good, and he's he, a really funny writer. Yeah, he's like he, and he is exactly funny. In like he is the when you meet him, like all you, uh, uh, I mean you 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 probably wouldn't have this. Uh, you probably wouldn't have this feeling towards him, Meryl, because you're more you're uh, more his contemporary age wise. But uh, I think if if you're my age and you meet him and you talk to him uh, and uh, he makes some uh, he makes some just perfectly Dave Barry style jokes um, just in real life and he just is just inc- like unfathomably nice to you uh, when he doesn't have to be uh, and then you're just like oh man I wish this guy was my dad <laughs> or at the very least my uncle like he is like perfect uncle material like he comes over without announcing that he's gonna come over. And he's like, hey, who wants to have a weenie roast? <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah that, he's a really good guy. That guy's a class act, that Dave yeah. Barry. I have, I have nothing but good things to say about Dave Barry. The amazing thing to me about him is, um, uh, is I cannot imagine. I think the thing that, like, if you get Dave Barry's work through, um, if you get Dave Barry's work through books, um, I think it's easy to think like, to think like, Oh yeah, some of these jokes are really good. Some of them are kind of a, a little hackneyed. Like eh, some of these just feel easy, you know, whatever. But he he was writing a fucking daily column, daily. Well, that's the whole point. Yeah, daily. It's really, really hard. Holy to do that. shit! Yeah, was he daily? I think it was three times a week. Was it three times a week? Yeah, I don't think even it was even. I think so. he might even have so. stepped but even, down. Still, holy, even that's still holy shit. Uh, I've had a lot of weekly columns, and they just were yeah. Yeah, like just writing a column of any kind, like having a having a perspective of any kind on anything on a week to week basis. Like I'm, I have uh, all that time you're wasting on Twitter. You just put into that column. <laughs> right. That's what, and you'd get paid on on Bullseye. Uh, on Bullseye right now, I have started doing an outro segment that is me recommending something. And what I, is Bullseye? Bullseye is the new name of the Sound of Young America. Oh, and uh, my this this recommendation can genuinely be anything. I could recommend a a recipe. If I want to, I can recommend, you know, morning calisthenics. Sure. You know, I can tell people that they should always take us, you know, an afternoon constitutional sex position. I can recommend anything uh, within the bounds of FCC guidelines. I have recommended four ish things and I already dread thinking of new things to recommend for my one and a half minute to three minute weekly column essentially but that's also probably exactly the same amount of words that a column would be Dave Barry's column was really short the ones when I wrote weekly ones they were about 1500 words words I think Dave's were like maybe 500 words that is that is a serious I mean like writing writing thinking of something that you care enough about to generate that much well you have to you have to have a kind of a a sense of where where you can go the distance to a middle and then a conclusion with something when you get a joke idea. Yeah. You have to have something that will generate comment. And then you but but every single thing doesn't have to be a joke inside of it. Lots of it can just be pointing and embellishing what you set up to begin with. You know, that there's ways you figure it out. I think it's hard I think it's hard enough if you're like Paul Krugman or David Brooks or something, and you just have to think of a new thing that you think about Mitt Romney. 
<laughs> and, and you can just think something about whatever the last right. thing Mitt Romney sure. did. It's like is. yeah, people. Uh, you, yeah, your topic isn't even given to you. Like if you're if you're Frank Rich, you can just you can just look at the last three things that an important uh, political figure did, and then think. Which of these things can I claim has the most far-reaching implications? He really worked hard. That was a long column that guy did in the Sunday yeah. New York Times. Those were I don't even know how many words that was. That was a lot. It was most of a page sometimes, or two pages. Did you know that he's the father of Simon Rich? Brilliant uh, comedy writer Simon Rich? I think I did know that, yes. Yeah. Now, that's a power team right there. <laughs> Simon Rich is as, basically as funny as a human being could be just talked to him the other day by the way simon rich writing a movie for pixar in san francisco right now Ooh, hope that wasn't secret oh i don't think it was yeah it's probably not yeah, oh, probably I'm sure not he's secret. Proud of it. simon rich is a brilliant young man brilliant young man anyway uh just to summarize dave barry would be a great uncle mm-hmm. probably come over and have a weenie roast people don't necessarily know what a thai lady boy is <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew what well, it was. It's just I don't know why, why you were bringing it up. You know, it, sure. no, it would have been a like I would think a slam dunk joke if everybody a... was talking about Thai lady, right? If it had some, <laughs> if it wasn't just spawned out of a conversation Jesse and I were having. Is no one talking about Thai lady boys over in Malibu? That's all anybody lately. talks about on the East well, Side. Yeah, it uh, is just see, Thai, lady boys, Thai lady boys, Thai lady boys, Thai lady boys. You guys are probably talking about surfing and yeah. Well, over here it's fixed gear bikes. Yeah. The newest gastropub. Right. Thai Lady Boys. Those three. Those are the three things that you and talk about on the I'm not even sure what a gastropub is. What is it? That's eh, where you go to get a $15 hamburger. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, born detective. I'm Meryl Marco, and uh, and I've lost track of who I am and why I'm here. And- You're here because all these people are going to buy <laughs> your delightful new book. That's why. All right. These people aren't fucking idiots. No. These people know what side of the bread their butter That's comes right. from. That's right. The <laughs> book side of the bread yes. is where you get your butter. Yes. Cool, calm, and a third word, which is a joke. Convicted. Cantankerous. Can. Harn. Kim. Cool, calm, and. Contentious. Contentious. By Meryl Marco. The best selling new memoir by Meryl Marco, as endorsed by no less than John Stewart. The John Stewart. One of America's most beloved funny men. Sure. I like the idea that someone can be less than Jon Stewart. It's Dennis Leary. <laughs> he's the shitty Jon Stewart? I mean, he's... I don't know if he's... He's le- I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't mean... To, I'm, shi- I'm not trying to say anything mean To be about fair, him. he's the shitty Bill Hicks. <laughs> fair. Sure. Oh, I don't think that's true. Oh, really? No, I think he's really good. John oh. Stewart. No, not Jon Stewart. No, no, John Stewart isn't the shitty Bill Hicks. Oh, I thought that's no, 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 no. Dennis Leary is. Oh, yeah, no. Right. John Stewart's not the shitty anyone. John no. Stewart's wonderful. John Stewart's fucking brilliant. No one has any problem with John Stewart. That guy's great. Dennis Leary is a confusing person. He is because, uh, from all by all accounts, that uh, television show that he made was actually quite excellent. Which one? 
Uh, Rescue Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, everyone says that it was actually a very excellent show. Yeah, I guess I just remember him from, like, Total Recall. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much the And the I know that's maybe, yeah, that maybe, yeah, maybe I should have explored further Dennis Leary. I remember him from when he did Leary. a talk show a billion years ago oh, on sure. MTV with this friend of mine named Billy Kimball. You don't know who that is, do you? No. They co-hosted a talk show a billion years ago, and I watched it because Billy was co-hosting it with him. And they were both pretty good on it. It was a good show. It lasted, you know, a minute. Well, let's let's go on an MTV talk show. Let's do this. I, you know, I don't think MTV's given out too many talk shows these days. No, you know, I think John we would Stewart have to, had one too. We would have to be teen moms. Oh, you know what we should do? Let's make a music video and send it to MTV. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that'll, yeah, that probably won't no. fly either. What's wrong with that? I mean, I'm saying I think we need to become teen girls who become pregnant. We need to become teen girls and then become pregnant. Uh, and that's going to be a, that's going to be a process. Hey, why don't we do this instead? Let's, let's thank our sponsors yes. for this week's program. First of all, uh, makepixelart.com and it's attendant iPhone application. Hey. It's a great way to make your pixel art. Absolutely. Let's just say that you're concerned that your art has too high of resolution. <laughs> That's a big concern for a lot of artists these days. They say this, these lines are too fine. They're not jaggedy enough. You know? Yeah. That's a lot of, there's a lot of people are worried about that kind of thing. You know what? I bet if you wanted to make a religious icon for Nicolas Cage, he uh-huh. would probably worship something made on MakePixelArt.com. I agree. Okay, uh, let's look at the Jumbotron. Um, up on the jum- Jumbotron, we have a message from Scroll. Scroll, an independent video game magazine made entirely by Ray Barnholt. Oh, hey. Nice. Yeah. Absolutely. From that one episode of Retronauts. Um, that guy's great. Yeah, this guy was, he once uh, did one of these before about episode number two. Uh, They just published episode four. It is about the weird history of the original Xbox in Japan. Uh, You can buy it in print for 15 bucks or in PDF for just five bucks. It is online at scroll.vg. Yeah, Ray is a very, very funny and clever video game writer. I uh, I I think people will like this if they like clever and funny video game writing. And the weird and wonderful history of the original Xbox in Japan, some 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. If you want to get up on the Jumbotron, it's MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's you know very what? inexpensive. I'm worried that Dennis Leary wasn't in Total Recall. He was, right? I've never seen Total Recall. Jordan. Anybody? Colin? I'm looking, Colin the intern. the intern. Okay, well, I'm going to... I've seen the... Total Recall, but I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. La, la, la. It's Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, Dennis Leary wasn't in Total Recall. He wasn't? Did you check? I did check, yeah. I guess I was just thinking of Demolition Man. You're always thinking about De- Demolition Man. I usually Man. am, yeah. I'm like, surely surely this is the one time where I'm not thinking of Demolition Man. Oh, wait, I was. Joining us also, uh, Meryl Marco. Her humorous memoir is, is entitled Cool, Calm, and Contentious. And it's not a memoir. It's a series of uh, it's a series short of pieces, but about but it's some of memoirish, them right? It's some about, of them are memoirish. It's yeah. like a lot of them are family related, right? Some are. We should explain that we were expecting your publisher to send me your book, but then they accidentally did. It. Yeah, I'm really sorry that you didn't <laughs> tell okay. me. Though. I for I'm sure sorry too. I feel bad about it now. 
Um, but uh, 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 we do have telephone calls. Sure. Um, when something momentous happens, we do ask that you give us a telephone call at 206-984-4-FUN and let us know about it. And we do have some telephone calls here uh, on uh, the computer internet to play for you. So this is a momentous occasion. I was uh, listening to JJ Go, and uh, I saw, driving along in my car, and I saw a woman coming down the other side of the street uh, on a little mobility scooter uh, carrying a banjo wrapped in bubble wrap, and uh, she had a little tank of oxygen behind her. So um, it just seemed like an amazing thing to see. It's not that amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's not obviously this woman has seen better days, but you know, she's she still just keeping her want, love of music she just alive. She doesn't want to damage her banjo. Yeah. And that's how she keeps the, the oxygen is how she keeps the bubble wrap full. <laughs> <laughs> she self inflates her own bubble wrap. Hey Jordan Jesse guest. This is Leo from Chicago. I just had a phone call with my grandmother that I just had to share. Now, she's a sweet old woman. She's a relic from another time. And she just says to me, you know, Leo, I heard that this Monday they're not going to have the schools open. And I don't think that they're going to have the banks or even deliver the mail. And it's all because of that black man. So I just had to share that. I corrected her immediately. And she <laughs> she's uh, quite the woman. So. Uh, have a great one, and I will keep listening and talk to you later. And then she played him a little something on the banjo. <laughs> He's like, that's right, Grandma, it's Don Cheadle Day. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's that, like, kind of racism that is, like, that it's like hard to be mad at because it's like not like she was. It's not being malicious. Negative. I don't agree. I think it's real easy to be mad. At. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, uh, it's amazing. The more things change, the more things stay the same. It's it's just amazing. Like this week, I don't know if you uh, read the New York Times piece where the comedy booker on the Letterman show w- revealed, and among other things, that they'd only had one woman stand up on in uh, fiscal two, 2011. Oh wow. Out of 20, a field of 23 booked stand-ups, one woman. I wouldn't have thought that would be possible just by accident you'd have three women. You know, even if yeah, you were like... sure. I it's, mean, it just it seems... You like almost have to be conscious. And you could say, hey, you know, but who could be mad at them because they're a relic from another era? Except for that they're not. They're right now and they have a show and so is that grandmother. I mean, every woman... I don't know how old that grandmother might be. She might be 51, you know, which yeah, probably yeah. seems a lot older to you than it does to me, but... And that guy might be, you know, 19, and he's going, oh, she's a relic from another era. She, You know, it, it's possible. It's not really all that amusing to be an ignorant doofus is really what I guess I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and you can do it at any age. Fair enough. No, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. It, was, it amused me, though. Sure. It did amuse me. I was amused. All right, then. A little bit. Well, as long as you were amused. I partly because I pictured the house. grandma being super small. I don't know. I guess I just, if she was really small. If it small, was the same woman who was on the scooter with the banjo, I think that. No, that helps then, it. then I'm worried. That I tried to do that joke, but it kind of went by and no one heard it. I, oh, <laughs> okay. oh, right. No, no, you did. I was piggybacking. I'm sorry.
Hi, Jesse. Hi, Jordan. This is Craig from Virginia. And my girlfriend and I were just leaving a restaurant, and down the street was a GameStop. We saw a hefty gentleman outside uh, doing the moonwalk and looking at himself in the reflection. And then he stopped, and then he continued doing the moonwalk. Thanks. Bye. Well, you had to pause for reflection. (laughs) To take a moment to consider... You do it for a while, you're, you're checking out your moves, you take a second, you think, what's the impact of those moves going to be if I continue to do them? What does that mean about me? What does that say about me? And it seemed to be going well. <laughs> Maybe he was just like 20 years late to pick up his copy of Michael Jackson's Moonwalker from the Sega Genesis, <laughs> and he was just so excited... That he remembered that he that it was still waiting for him at the store. In Michael Jackson's Moonwalker for the Sega Genesis, did you make guys disappear by dancing on them? Is that am I remembering that correctly? Uh, or- yeah, yeah. I mean, there was so Michael Jackson had karate moves that right. were very dancey looking. So he did karate. It shot out stars. Uh huh. And that's how generally how you killed bad guys. But then also were they if- killed? Were or was or did they were they like turned into the magic of the dance or something. Uh, I mean, well, here's the thing. When you just karate move them, they just kind of poof in the way that video game characters poof away. Right. Uh, but then if you needed to clear the screen, yeah. you would, there was a special move where Michael Jackson would do a dance. Yeah. All of the enemies on the screen would do the dance. And then when he went, woo, they would explode. <laughs> wow. You guys, are you guys too young to have ever known or seen Captain Nemo when it was at, Oh, Captain EO. Uh, EO, (laughs) Frequent topic of conversation on this show. Oh, I could not have been... Like, I... My grandparents... Jordan is from Orange County. And my grandparents lived in Orange County when I was a kid. So, um, I... And Michael Jackson was... I couldn't have loved Michael Jackson more as a small child. I mean, I was born in 1981, so... We both got the second base for our first time while watching Captain Dio. <laughs> and someone said on, on, uh, on my Twitter feed, and I can't remember who attributed this to, uh, somebody made the joke, uh, of all the pedophiles, he's the most talented. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He's taken, he's taken away a lot, but he's also given us a lot. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I, my, probably one of my most prized possessions from age six to 10 was a glow in the dark Captain EO sweatshirt. Uh, did that, you see Captain EO? Oh yeah, I saw Captain EO. That, when you, in retrospect, that is such a weird idea that you'd want to be super close to Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the point where you could feel like you could reach out and yeah, touch him. Yeah. That was even the, 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 the selling point. Yeah, yeah. You'd sort of, you'd sort of want, uh, if if anything, you would want a fourth wall between you and Michael Jackson, <laughs> or several of them. Yeah, yeah a series was, of fourth walls, and then some plexiglass walls. So yeah, that. Captain EO was replaced at Disneyland, and maybe is back. Is it? Captain no, EO returned. Back. Captain EO did return after he passed. Oh, okay. Um, but I think it was a limited engagement. It was replaced by Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. That's what I was gonna say. Was yeah. it? Re- and I don't remember the timeline on this. Was it replaced? because of Michael Jackson's scandal or was it just because of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids mania? I think he was, Michael Jackson was having a sort of a down spiral in his career at that point. I mean, it returned again, but... A, it but had been around for, it was long, it was long in the dated. tooth as well. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I think. I, I, think. I didn't know, um, I didn't know that that Rick Moranis, this is, this is not funny at all, this is actually <laughs> distinctly sad, 
Um, but I was on uh, our friend Ken Plume's show the other day, and he had interviewed Rick Moranis when Rick Moranis' country album came out uh, two or three years ago. Really? He had a country album? A serious Gr- country Grammy-winning album? country album. Yeah, I would no call kidding. it a... I would describe it as a semi-serious uh, country album. I mean, it, the music was serious. The topic matter the the subject matter was wry in the way that country music sometimes is it wasn't jokey but it was a little funny Joel. yeah and um i i think uh and i had always wondered why rick moranis had left show business and only appeared in a few brief bursts and it's because his uh wife passed away and so he only took jobs after his wife passed away where he would get paid as much money as possible for as short a period of work as possible. And he would basically just take a, one of those Honey, I Shrunk the Kids direct-to-DVD sequels that they couldn't do without him, but that they would give him $2 million for or whatever you get paid to do a direct, because he was the essential element of that. <laughs> so, you know, well, g- give him... he was taking care of his kids? And Yeah, and so essentially he would do that and work for six weeks on that and then the work, and then for two years, he would just take care of his kids full time. And then, oh, that's kind of admirable. Yeah, it's kind of great. amazing. It sort of right? shows shows an amazing sort of lack of egomania. On his yeah, part. I know, right? Isn't that great? Yeah, way to go, Rick Moranis. Yeah, yeah, I feel like Rick Moranis is one of those guys who you could see just popping up in, you know, as. A, the one of somebody's dad on How I Met Your Mother or something like that. Well, he's but. incredibly funny. I sure, mean, yeah. he's totally. A really, really good. I rewatched My Blue Heaven recently. Have um, you ever seen him on SCTV? Oh yeah, absolutely, totally funny. Um, yeah, and and My Blue Heaven was one of those movies as a kid where I remember like going to see it in the theater and thinking I'm at a grown up movie and like <laughs> feeling really excited that I was watching a movie for grown ups and because like my mom and dad were also laughing. Uh, it did not strike me as a grown-up movie seeing it now, um, but I do remember how funny Rick Moranis was in it and how great. Anyway. I'm ready for Rick Moranis' big comeback. Sure. Let's do this, Moranis. He would, although... Well, his kids are probably old now. Yeah, they're grown up. The, the comeback train starts right here on Jordan Jesse Go, Moranis. <laughs> yeah. Believe, believe you me. It doesn't start in some, panta, in some holiday pantomime in Toronto, which is probably what you're up to. <laughs> We will give you $2 million to record for two hours with us. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, Boy Detective. I'm Meryl Marco, and I have a book out uh, called Cool, Calm, and Contentious. Buy it, won't you? They will. Oh, they will? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our audience is readers. Yeah, these people like books. These people like fucking reading. Yeah. These people are going to, A, they're going to read the book. B, they're going to go on their Goodreads accounts and tell all their friends about how much they like the book. And then they're going to marry a library. (laughs) Those are the three <laughs> things that they are wow. going yeah. to do. Well, the three going to make life a little more interesting for us all. That they are going to do. I actually recently read, um, uh, Meryl, uh, one of the uh, first books that you wrote, perhaps the first book that you wrote, uh, the Late Night with David Letterman show, The Book. Yeah. Uh, which I ran into, I was in the uh, St. Vincent de Paul over here, and uh, I saw your name on the spine. 
I thought, oh, I know Meryl Marco. She's the best. I bought it. Holds up. Very funny, even in 2012. Yeah, it's a good. It's verbally very good. It's kind of a mess graphically. What What do you mean when you say that it's a mess graphically? Uh, well, it, it had a lot of um, blurry pictures and uh, <laughs> repeats and stuff. It was, you know, when we when we got that book deal, we all kind of presumed that if a television show on a network gets a deal with a big book publisher, it means that pictures will be great. You right. know, I mean, where have you seen a book? We've all seen a million books with pictures that were great. Right. Where have you seen one where they were horrible? <laughs> right. Never. So we just didn't think there would be a book like that that would be horrible, that something would get out of your control somehow that you didn't know to control for initially or contractually or whatever. I still don't know exactly what piece didn't fall into place there, but it was one of the few books that really was a mess. I know when our friends Casper Hauser wrote their first book, which was uh, called uh, Sky Mall, Happy Crap You Can Buy from a Plane, sadly now out of print and sells for $250 on uh, Amazon.com. Does it really? Yeah, wow. totally. Yeah, Jeez. If anyone would pay for it. Super. I, mean, who would I lost mine it? and I was thinking of rebuying it, but... <laughs> You're fucked, yeah. Jordan. You are fucked. Oh, maybe I'll, hey, you know, maybe I'll drop the two fifty. Yeah, it is one of my favorite things of all time. But um, when they when they got the when they got their deal to write that book, um, they were just writing content for it and got back some sample pages that their publisher had put together, like some put together with their graphic designer and set. And they had to be like, oh, okay. Well, we're going to hire a graphic designer and buy all our own art to make this because this is terrible and wrong. So they had to reinvest in yeah, their own Yeah, they book. just basically just had to they just had they said I mean they got I mean did I think they got their the way they art. Wanted it? Yeah. They did. Well, that never happened with this. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I was getting blamed for it. I remember Letterman was furious with me as if I I'd never been around a book publishing company. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea where to even begin? I wasn't about to take my own money from the bank and I enjoyed, hire a photographer. I thought the book publisher does that. You know I enjoyed I mean? the quality of the. I enjoyed the quality of the original art in the Goofus and Gallant parody. Yeah, uh, that I was right. just I was just laughing about. Well, uh, that was because they could take the original and photograph them, but the, a lot of the pieces had to do with um, what prop things that we built we used to have segments that we would give various names to but they would be called i don't know new gift items let's say or something right and so they, you know we'd write the joke and then they'd build a fly feeder or whatever it was and and it, and that would be part of the joke so we assumed our, when i say we I, I assumed they would get the fly <laughs> feeder and take a photograph of it somehow like an <laughs> art catalog yeah which is, you know, I'd gone to art school and I'd seen a million art catalogs. They don't ever look crappy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But that's not what they did. They took pictures off the TV. They took, they ran the thing on, yes. a, on a monitor. Oh, funny. And took pictures yes, off the monitor. Yes, I did notice so that. And pretty think, much now that you see say the it, Yes, I know exactly monitor. what you're talking about. Yeah, like you would think that they would... They they would do it the way that one of those stores like you that you sold it on eBay stores would do it. <laughs> like they just have a bin that has a bunch of lights that they would put it in the middle of the bin and click f- photograph on the picture. But yeah, it literally looked. They literally pointed a camera at a at television the monitor, screen. A television monitor. I mean, I have a friend named April Winchell, who's one of the funniest women who li- ever lived, and she ha- um, is the a designer owner 
perpetrator of a site called Regretsy. Have you ever seen that? Sure, sure. And and they had a book out, and it's a gorgeous book. It's all the pieces that they. It does not look like what happened, <laughs> but Letterman was a show. You know, you'd think that <laughs> that would make it less likely that it would be shitty this graphics. Was a, that not this was a likely. noteworthy cultural phenomenon sure. at the time. It invented Chris Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, can I mention something about, speaking of Chris Elliott. Sure. Um, uh, Maximum He's a friend of mine, in case oh. you guys are going to say anything negative, I'm going to fight. Uh, I don't have it. I don't what, if you. If... What negative thing would anyone say about Chris <laughs> yeah. Elliott? People say negative things about everybody. Oh, man. If, you, if someone had something negative to say about Chris Elliott, I would probably yeah, have to fight good. them. That guy's basically the greatest guy of all time. He's great. Um, a, funniest guy of all time. B, just super nice. Talk about people that I wish was my uncle. Um, okay, uh, this is what I have to say about Chris Elliott. Uh, we are very excited that MaximumFun.org is the sponsor of two shows at SF Sketchfest. Uh, one of them is January 20th at Cobbs in San Francisco. John Hodgman, an evening of my expertise. Uh, it is a, uh, an evening with our, our colleague uh, in the MaximumFun.org network, John Hodgman of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Uh, I promise you it will be an absolute delight. There will be special guests and special extravaganza-type activities. So attend that. And then on January 21st, on the subject of Chris Elliott, we present an afternoon with Eagle Heart. Um, Folks may remember Maria Thayer was just on our show a couple of weeks ago. She will be there along with Chris Elliott and uh, the creators of Eagle Heart, Michael Komen and Andrew Weinberg and uh, Jason Woliner, who is the director of many uh, episodes of Eagle Heart and one of the executive producers of the show and is a member of the Human Giant. Um, and they will, they, I just talked to Michael about it. I ran into Michael at a show I went to at the UCB the other day. And they are putting together an extravaganza um, for this show. They said they they are um, they are self conscious about anyone paying to see them do anything, and so they want to make sure it's worth it. <laughs> I believe that was his exact quote. So, um, well, they'll get over that. <laughs> <laughs> go see go see an afternoon with Eagle Heart. Uh, there's links to both of those shows, including. Uh, including tickets on our website at MaximumFun.org in the right-hand bar. Um, Well, Meryl, it has been uh, such a joy to have you on the program. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me. Meryl Marco's uh, brand-new book is called Cool, Calm, and Contentious. It is a collection... It only took you the entire show (laughs) to get that third word. (sighs) But congratulations, at least you've achieved something. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, She is is also the author of uh, numerous other hilarious books uh, that you should really check out. um, You can see the list of them on my website, MerylMarco.com. And you can find Meryl on Twitter as well. You know, I like Twitter. Yeah. You can write jokes. Yeah, you sure. can write jokes on there. And Meryl is great at writing jokes on the Twitter. You should uh, follow her at Meryl Marco, right? There's no underscore in there, right? No. It's just at Meryl Marco. And um, I, as mentioned, am headed to Europe for two weeks. You're and lucky. so 
Jordan will be hosting this program in my stead. Mm-hmm. I believe you have lined up some very special guests. I have some very special guests lined up for the next two weeks. Uh, yeah, some very some very funny people. Uh, yeah, I'll, You're I'll just say who they are. I won't. I'm gonna we'll, I'm gonna we'll make it a surprise. It'll be a surprise tease. We'll make it a surprise. But the he show know who they are. Does it's he? Jesse's dogs. I'm just gonna <laughs> hold the dogs up to the microphone when I get here. They're just gonna lick the microphone. Yeah. Jordan. It'll be the, as, as long as the program usually is. Oh my gosh, we have to pick a tweet of the week. Jordan. Oh sure. Tweet of the week. We love the tweets when they're hashtag with hashtag JJGo. Oh, here's the, Meryl. This is what we do on the show. Jesse oh. picks a tweet of the week and then I make chit chat. Do you with both the guest. nominate them uh, all the, week long? Or just... Well, technically, I should have already picked one, but every week I consistently forgot to have already picked one. It's a newish. And they, they, are they by you or by the people that you follow? Uh, these are by people who tweet something about the show or oh. recommend the show to friends using the hashtag JJGo. So, we so can they be... just say things like, boy, you guys are great. And then, Those, that's yeah, the tweet of the week. That usually okay. makes it. Right. Yeah. I got a tweet of the week here. This is easy. I mentioned the San Francisco 49ers game mm-hmm. on Sunday. I got several tweets on this subject, but only one person was smart enough to tweet it public, public, publicly and hashtag it JJGo. Uh, it's not an official sporting event in San Francisco until Huey Lewis and the News sing the national anthem. <laughs> Huey Lewis and the News sing the national anthem at all major sporting events in San Francisco. They are San Francisco's famous people. Um, I used to live in San Francisco, I know. And then Huey Lewis comes out in one of those modal, mobile chairs with a banjo covered with a <laughs> <laughs> bubble wrap. That's, right? the, that's the news now. The news is his mobile assistant. Oh, do you have to say who it is for them to get their Oh, shirt? yes, I do. That was at the clever remark. <laughs> clever remark. Clever remark. The at the clever remark, except the it's confusing because he's got the K is capitalized. Yeah. And there's and a K. The and clever are capitalized, huh. but huh. remark isn't clever capitalized except for the K. Does he spell clever with a K? You'd think his name was Mark, maybe, but it's not. <laughs> no, he spell doesn't spell clever he spells clever the traditional way. Oh good. Oh, okay, oh gee, yeah, I know. It would be it would be it would be really too far over the line if he was spelling clever with it. If he was asking me to buy into that, I wouldn't be buying what he was selling. Yeah. Anyway, email intern at MaximumFun.org. Tell us your T-shirt size. We'll send you a T-shirt. Thank you very much. Thank you for your support, everyone. Our theme music, Love You by The Free Design, courtesy of The Free Design, and Light in the Attic Records. Find us online at MaximumFun.org. Discuss the show at Forum.MaximumFun.org and on our Red Hot Facebook page. Facebook fan page. That's where Jordan doesn't go. Yeah, I don't go there. If you want to get my attention, that is not the place to go. Anyway, but you can discuss the show there and post stuff. Sure, that sounds like fun. Okay, we'll be back next week on Jordan Jessica. Hi, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Travis McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy. We're three brothers. It's not a coincidence. We have a show. It's called My Brother, My Brother Me. It's an advice show for the modern era. Uh, sometimes we also take questions from the Yahoo Answer Service. Hey guys, how many push-ups does it take to look like a werewolf? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fine question, Griffin. We'll answer that one and so much more, including questions from readers about love and navigating the waters of society. Subscribe on iTunes or get it online at MaximumFun.org. We're brothers. We're experts. And we're sorry. Sorry.